When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the WFNY Cavs cast. I'm not your host, Craig Lindell, and uh, we are part of the Waiting for Next Year podcast network and the Evergreen podcast network. Seth is our host tonight. How's it going, Seth? Doing excellent, Craig. Good to finally be on a podcast with you. Craig, you're the you're the WFNY godfather. I've listened to a lot of your pods, so I'm just pumped to be listening and sharing the waves with yourself and Matt tonight. How are you? I think that just means I'm old. How's it going, Matt? <laughs> um, how about you guys? It might be internet related as well, not just the AirPods. So I think Matt's Matt's getting it worked out. We'll get him back in the stream here. I think yeah, it's one Matt's... of those. It's one of those days where you know you gotta you got we gotta do some additional testing on Matt's setup. We gotta we gotta go full geek mode just to send out the geek squad, see if we can get his internet up going. Maybe maybe hook him up with a new Wi-Fi router. I don't know. <laughs> and I think this was Matt's first uh, first time on the on a podcast. So that that serves by me the way, right. Is there, is there... Q&A. Is there anything more frustrating than when you're the guy and you're like, you can't like you're, you're, you're giving people information and you're trying to talk and then you realize they're only hearing every other word. And then you, you just, you hate it. You hate it. I saw his, his, his look, he just looked down and kind of gave one of these, one of the <laughs> just brutal. So he's going, Hey Matt, Matt, do you have like a walkie talkie or something? Maybe a tin can and a string you could dial in. <laughs> Oh boy, I know we've all heard that over over COVID the last couple of years. What 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 are you saying? Um, I, I think what I heard Matt come in with for a moment there was Darius Garland kind of recapturing what we all saw as Cavalier fans last year. This is a guy who can go out and get thirty points a game, who can orchestrate the offense. And I don't know about you, Craig. One of the things that was really interesting to me, Donovan Mitchell. You know, the team won uh, was eight and one at at one point. Donovan Mitchell was on a tear and went back to the Utah Jazz days where he's just in attack mode. He gets into the paint and then he goes and finds a shooter. And so the notion of the offense having to completely change from kind of a one-man band to Darius Garland coming back, it's been fascinating. And frankly, I think that's that's where a few of these losses have come in. It's been like your turn, my turn. Um, do you think there's a lot more to go on that end? Do you think there's, you know, they need another 10, 15, 20 games? Do you think, you know, last night's game might be big for Darius and and figuring out that, hey, okay, you know, I can turn it on, but we need to do it together. Well, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of avoid your question by reframing it a little bit, uh, which is kind of unfair, but the, it's interesting because I knew about Donovan Mitchell and I'd seen his highlights and everything else, but what you don't know about these guys when you're watching them in another city is what they're like as people and what their mentality is and their attitude is like. And so the revelation for me, we knew that Garland is just an all world teammate level guy. Um, but I didn't know if Donovan Mitchell was going to be big ego guy or big attitude guy or but it turns out that he's he's kind of that same mentality. He fits in perfectly with Darius Garland and Jared Allen and all these guys who want to put the team first and see the big picture. And 
he just seems to have the right mentality to figure out the way to make it work. And so I don't know how many more games it's going to take, but I feel so much more comfortable now that we've gotten to know Donovan Mitchell a little bit. Or, I mean, maybe the rest of you guys already did. Maybe you follow the NBA closer than I do, but I never look outside of Cleveland unless it's like a, a rival who I despise. And so as much as I knew Donovan Mitchell was a great player, I didn't know he was this kind of dude who was just going to fit in from a, an attitude and a mentality standpoint. Yeah, we've heard nothing but great things about him as a leader. He's been very patient with the young group, and I like a few of the things he's said throughout the season. E even when they went on that that massive win streak to start the year, he said, "You know, guys, there's going to be downs." He, he's he's been through this. I think some of the young kids last year, like, "Hey, this NBA is awesome. It's all sunshine and rainbows, and this is great. Great crowd. You know, teams love us." Donovan's like, "No, no, no. 82 game season. We're going to have some lows. It's all about." tomorrow it's all about the next day that's one perspective i'm really happy that it appears that he's brought to this young team and hey guys you got to storm and, and keep playing for tomorrow yeah and you know one of the things that he he said uh i i was lucky enough to get to the home opener and that was the game where he kind of fumbled the the lead away in the last two possessions they end up going to overtime and he ends up helping them win in an overtime and his post-game comments, he was like, you know, I'm glad we were able to come out with the win. I wish I hadn't choked it away at the end of the, the regulation. And, and just the way that he took responsibility, not in that kind of Kevin Stefanski, you know, we got to look at the tape. We all got to do better. But, like, I can't believe I put us in this position. I was so lucky. And I'm so happy that we were able to get it over the top after I put us in a bad spot in the last two possessions down. It, like, that just told me everything I needed to know about Donovan Mitchell right there. And what he's done, you know, we heard we as in the outside, not fans of the Utah Jazz. There's been some pretty bad tape on him in the playoffs, specifically last year on the defensive end. And so I don't know about you, Craig, but I know when when I heard about the news, you immediately go to, OK, what are the Cavaliers giving up? And then, two, you go watch the Donovan Mitchell highlights. You're like, oh, boy, this is going to be sweet. Um, but then Give maybe me some a of that hip hop on YouTube, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And then maybe a day or two later, um, you kind of dig into, okay, wh why did the Jazz kind of flame out the past few years? They're consistently, you know, top one, two seed in the West the past couple of years. What's their deal? And then you see some stuff about Donovan not really trying on defense. And that was my biggest question about him this year, um, specifically with the Cavaliers identity. And it's, it's big, nasty, uh, two seven-footers, but that, that is their identity is the defensive end. Um, and what what would he do to incorporate into that? And man, he's he's playing the best defense. I don't think it's egregious to say of his career. He he's guarding big guys. He's guarding Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. He's not letting guys post them up. He's I think he's averaging about 1.5 steals a game. His defense um, has really impressed me so far, and it kind of shows me, hey, this this guy is is not wanting. This is a direct quote. Just because I'm here, I don't want the Cavs to drop from third best defensive rating in the league to to below. I want to stay even or, or get better. And I love what he's done on the defensive end. Well, and the one thing that people sometimes forget, uh, and and I hate to say that people sometimes forget, but I, you know, defense is a team-wide mentality. It's a team commitment. One guy can't be a lockdown defender on defense in the NBA because it requires help. It requires movement. It requires strategy and um, having the right pieces where when the Cavaliers have tried to implement defense in the past, they might not have had the bigs 
or the desire in the bigs to do it or they might not have had the length on the perimeter or the speed and the quickness around around picks it was like uh maybe a anthony parker you know anthony parker in the old days played really good defense but he didn't necessarily have the commitment from booby gibson and some of the other types of players around around him um it, it takes all five guys or all eight guys in a rotation to commit to it plus a coaching mentality um and then it takes commitment to keep it up over the long period of time because how many times have we seen a lebron-led team start a season going we're gonna play fast we're gonna play fast and they do for like three or four weeks before they you know lebron decides he wants to play grinded out mode in the half court and just just take his time and so and I'm not saying that's wrong. That's LeBron. You, you, you're going to live and die with whatever his good and bad habits are. But um, what the Cavaliers have going is a team commitment. And it's nice to see that Darius Garland folded right in. Yeah. Or, sorry, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. A defense that's uh, currently ranked fourth in defensive rating, 109.6. A team that's net rating is second in the league. You know, they've they've blown quite a few teams out early this season. All of their losses have been close. Uh, the Clippers game, the Kings game, uh, even last night they they went uh, they scored forty points to the Timberwolves is twenty five for a plus fifteen for the quarter and brought the game back. So just the the fight that's one uh, one key attribute or trait that has carried over seemingly from last season to this season is this team's never out of it. You they're one of those teams, Craig. Post uh, January first when we can do some legalized betting. If they, if they get down like 20 points in the second quarter, go ahead and hammer that, you know, Cavs plus whatever, because this team does, does not fold. And that's one, of the, that's one of the reasons I'm excited about January 1st for legalized betting. But how, how, how big do you think that live line got uh, Cavs plus what? Um, at what uh, at some point in the third quarter and then for them to go absolutely down to the wire uh yeah it's just unbelievable it's like uh, it's my favorite thing um you know well hypothetically if betting were legal when the buckeyes give up like an early touchdown against like a big 10 opponent um and they're they're favored by 47 or 35 or something and it's like all of a sudden the line drops to buckeyes minus 21 i'm like oh yeah give me that Give me Buckeyes minus 21 against Maryland. <laughs> yeah, any easy love. You, you know, if you've uh, you've watched sports like Craig and I, you, you've seen it a, a time or two. You know the, the comeback is coming. It's a matter of uh, when, not if. And uh, speaking of sports gambling, uh, we at WFNY, we've got a great deal with Underdog Fantasy for first-time depositors. Enter in the code WFNY at checkout, and Underdog will match your deposit up to $100. Underdog is a great platform if you are tired of the DFS salary system. There's tons of great games, drafts every single night. Do not forget, use WFNY at checkout to get your first-time deposit matched up to $100. Little tangent, little gambling tangent here, Craig. Is there a sport that you're most excited about post-Gen 1, or are you not really degenerate and you're just <laughs> you're going to watch us in the Discord just, just get crazy on the gambling? Well, first of all, before we leave the underdog thing, I, my favorite part of fantasy is the draft um, to the point where like I, I have so much fun with my fantasy football team during the draft. And then I lose interest in making moves during the year. I really do. So the idea that I can just draft over and over and over again throughout the season is awesome to me. But uh, my absolute favorite thing to bet by a long shot is um, is UFC. 
because I can sit there and I can buy a whole UFC card and I can know maybe three or four of the fighters um, that I'm really excited about. But when I'm watching that undercard, I can kind of look at the lines and, and maybe just pick somebody who I like throw five or 10 bucks on them. And then all of a sudden I've got a rooting interest for that fight, whether it goes 30 seconds or, or 15 minutes or, or, you know, nine minutes, it's just, it's awesome. So fighting is my favorite. Cause it's, it's so quick. You could place a bet, watch a fight, place a bet, watch a fight, place a bet, watch a fight. It's awesome. I love how, and I'm not, I'm not the biggest, uh, UFC. I, I like the sport. I, I'm not, the biggest in terms of knowledge but the one thing i do like um that i noticed was a couple of my friends were texting me about how you can get specific submission types like you know if, if it's a if it's a knockout versus a some you know tap out i just it's just fascinating to me i love the world it's it's fascinating <laughs> well no it's really funny because my wife actually will watch a couple uh pay-per-views with me and so we'll just sit there we'll watch the the three minute backstory on this guy who's from wichita and this guy who's from kenya and we'll decide, oh, yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're in they're in Africa this week. And so the Kenyan has an advantage. And we'll we'll just make up reasons to back a fighter and bet on them. And then we'll be root. We'll be his biggest fan for like, you know, 10 minutes. It's awesome. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, yeah. And back to the back to the Cavaliers. Um, one of the things, Craig, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about this. So I, I was hoping to get your thoughts on. So one great story, one thing I, I really like so far this season is the Cavaliers bench. Um, and specifically, I've got to highlight Kevin Love. So the bench is the second in the NBA this season at plus 228. They're absolutely beating up other teams' second unit. Kevin Love is third in plus minus this season in the NBA, only behind Nikola Jokic, two-time MVP, and Devin Booker, who's probably the best shooting guard in the league. Um, Kevin Love this year, 12 points per game, seven rebounds per game, 40% from three. Um, we've had such a storied <laughs> timeline with Kevin Love over the last eight or nine years. And I'm just so it one in one way, I'm, I'm very impressed with him and his patience with this team and the organization. But two, I fr frankly, I didn't think his body was going to hang on. Just Craig, your your thoughts on Kevin Love, the resurgence, and how the heck did we get here with him being? I mean, he's he's one of the best three fourth players on the team most nights. It's really interesting because I think it shows up. Uh, obviously, his shooting's really good, but you're going to have that with Kevin Love. But it seems he's really active on the defensive end and the rebounding. Um, when he's at his best, he is boxing out, he's rebounding, and he's outlet passing. And I think he's really found that groove again. Uh, he does look, I don't have any inside information, but he does look healthier than he's been probably in four years. And so I feel, I just, I feel good for him. You know, I, I think a lot of people look at the contract that he's got and they're like, well, what he should be producing for that kind of money as if like the, the, the contract that somebody signs five years ago is going to is going to magically make their body work as they get four or five years older. And so as as his body was kind of breaking down and it seemed like he didn't have that gear anymore. And when he was cut from Team USA, not cut, but, you know, those stories came out of Team USA. I just feel really good for him that he's playing really well and he looks really good physically. And and have I'm I'm somebody who's had five 
major surgeries in my life. I've had two ACLs, two discs replaced in my neck, and I had a knee scope this last year. So I know what it means to come back from a surgery and, and even for my mediocre jogs around the neighborhood. So like, I just feel good for him that he's like feeling healthy. Completely. And man, there were some lows there. Um, the Toronto Raptors game a couple years ago where he, he kind of patted the ball back and bounce once he was ticked off about one of the, the young Cavalier players doing something they shouldn't have done, leading to more points. And I, I thought he was as good as Don making nearly $30 million a year. And at this point, I think he's, he's put the Cavaliers in a position. It's like they, they want to keep him around. It's just going to be at, at what cost? This is his last season. He's making, I think 20, 28 or 29. Um, let me and turn I it back probably... around on you for a second. Yeah. So when you listen to NBA podcasts and they talk about him as an expiring deal and this, that, and the other thing, like he's a trade ship, what does that make you think? Yeah, I think based on what we've seen so far with Kobe Altman and how this front office goes out and, and does their business, I think they put a really high uh, I think they put a really high appreciation on what Kevin Love brings, not only as, I mean, frankly, without Laurie Market, and he, he's one of their most important three-point shooters um, this season, but he's, he's so loved in that locker room. Guys like Darius have, have raved about him. I would be pretty stunned if the Cavs looked at him as a trade ship. I, I'd be much more inclined to think they'd look elsewhere. There's a couple other guys – um, that are in the last year of their deal, uh, one being Karis LeVert and second, who I think Chetty Osman um, has the potential to be in the last year of his deal. He may have uh, some kind of like qualifying offer or tag on. But, yeah, I, I, I frankly think he, he's not going to be in. I think this might be a little bit of way for the cast to reward him for his patience, but also – he loves playing here, man. He looks like you said, he looks two, three years younger being here. These young guys are invigorating him and they're finally playing the right way. And yeah, I, I think I would be stunned if the Cavaliers looked at trading him. And I, I think they're going to come together for some, some type of deal to keep him here. I would hope the rest of his career. All right. I'm going to turn it around on you again. Cause you mentioned Lowry Markinen and he's having a phenomenal season so far in Utah. How good do you feel for him and how much credit do you think the Cavaliers deserve for kind of building a new identity for him as a basketball player in the NBA? I mean, credit to him for doing it, but the Cavaliers too uh, with their creativity and thinking outside the box. Yeah, so happy for him and Colin Sexton. Um, it's been awesome to see what the Utah Jazz have done. They were the first NBA team uh, uh, to get to 10 wins this year and they're they're stunning one I think they were you know they were the leading vote getter for the number one pick before the season and I mean Laurie's a Laurie's the kind of guy who it just never fit in Chicago you would watch his games and he's this like sculptured seven foot freak who can shoot the ball and you're like every team could use a Laurie Markkinen he, he just never there was some discussion about him and Jim Boylan not not really seeing eye to eye his coach at the time in Chicago um, and and by the end of the year last season, it's like he's he was being talked about as kind of like that fourth core key member, you know, right behind Darius and right behind Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Um, so happy for him. And it looks like the summer that he went off and, and played basketball for his country. I mean, he just he's coming in blazing uh, this, this statistic, excuse me, that he's putting up. So happy for him. And I'm just glad he's in a good situation right now, helping out the Utah Jazz team that look out folks I mean, they, they well and let's 
let, let's make no mistake. The Utah Jazz, once they get to the playoffs, they're going to be at a horrible disadvantage, and they're gonna they're gonna exit quickly and exit early, and that's all the more reason why the trade was a win win. Um, the Utah Jazz got some really nice players, but they've got a lot of work to do before they build a legit annual playoff contender. And what the Cavaliers got in getting uh, Donovan Mitchell is the guy who can deliver in game three, game four, game five of a playoff series where that top level talent trumps all. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Yeah, we saw that time and time again at the end of last season with Darius Garland. It, it was so easy to figure out how to beat the Cavaliers in that Nets game, in the playing tournament, and then lastly, the Atlanta Hawks game. It's it's blitz Garland, send two guys at him, and make anyone else beat you, Laurie Marketing included. And you're exactly right. Cavs didn't have an answer. Now, with that type of closer that Donovan Mitchell is, I think you put yourself in a much more uh, dangerous position to defend at the NBA level, exactly to your point of, of Donovan Mitchell. So you're right. I, I think at the end of last season, we were, um, Josh and I were talking a lot about a consolidation trade, almost across sports, you know, a little bit Guardians esque. They've got a lot of dudes who are average, slightly above average. They needed that next tier up and man donovan mitchell has been that he has been a legitimate mvp candidate so far this year well and to your point we might be talking a different guardian story if they do find that consolidation trade um and they had a wonderful season but you look at some of the people they were bringing off the bench to pinch hit in the playoffs or dh and whatever else and that consolidation trade uh, five three four prospects for one legit per uh all-star is exactly what a team like that needs we're talking basketball. <laughs> That's right. And on on the the notion of Donovan Mitchell, you know, we we would be remiss not to bring up how excellent he's he's played. So I'm going to rattle off a couple of quick statistics just to show, you know, how good he's played so far this year, over 31 points per game, 5 rebounds, almost 5 assists, 1.4 steals. He's shooting the heck out of the basketball, 53% from the field, 41% from 3 over 90% from the free throw line. Uh, depending on what sports book you look at, he's top six or top eight in MVP odds right now. Um, Craig, what's impressed you the most about him outside of culture stuff? Maybe we'll talk kind of tactically on the court. What have you seen from Donovan so far this year that maybe you didn't get to see, you know, while he played with Utah? Yeah, there. I, I have one thing 
specifically that just stuck out to me when I got to see him in person. And that's just how thick he is. He is so much uh, better built and stronger. You know, you think of, a, oh, a six foot one guard or a six foot two guard, whatever he is. Um, but they're not all six foot guards are built equally. And he's got these thick tree trunk legs. He plays, he plays much bigger than his size because he can play above the rim. And I just didn't, I didn't notice his strength. The, the, the way that I, I didn't know that it existed to the level that it does. Cause there's some guys who are nimble around the rim and there's some guys who will go, jump over you and some guys who will kind of go through you and make you feel them and mitchell is a guy who makes you feel him and not every nba player plays can play that physicality but he's a small guy who's who's thicker and can play like that and so that's probably what i notice most yeah, he he has this ability to. I think the NBA did a nice rule change when they at least gave the defender an ability to go up and contest a shot as long as their hands stay straight up. And Mitchell has that unique combination of, to your point, not only the the toughness and the strength to take a body shot like that, but then he also has the athleticism to hang in the air long enough where the, the center is on his way down and Donovan's still hanging in the air for, for a nice little layup or a kick out. So yeah, you're, you nailed it on the head to me, his, you know, his decision-making once he gets into the paint, but his ability to just go up against some of these big guys has been really, really astonishing. And I don't think, I don't think it's egregious to say he's the most, he's the most physically gifted Cavs player since LeBron. Is that outrageous to say? No. And my favorite highlight of the entire year, I can't remember how the ball got into Garland's hands and it wasn't quite a, a breakaway, but uh, uh, Garland was bringing the ball up on the right-hand side and Donovan Mitchell kind of like points up at the sky a little bit just before they get over half court. And all of a sudden, two seconds later, there's an alley-oop from Garland to Mitchell and it's like, oh, yeah, these six-foot guards are not all created equally. This guy plays above the rim, and Garland hit him with this, this beautiful – it looked like one of his shots, the perfect little kind of, you know, perfect arc, uh, perfect spot, and Mitchell slams it home. I don't even remember who they played against. I don't remember what the final score was, but that's the highlight. That was the one. Buddy ball. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a, that a great comeback, I believe, one of – the the many comebacks they've had already this year and and yeah he just soaring through the air and oh, it's, it's it's still hard to believe that i went to a game last season when the Cavs hosted the utah jazz and donovan gave the Cavs 41 points and ended up outdoing the cavaliers in the fourth quarter and ever since that game i, I was uh, poking and prodding of hey he's got to be getting unhappy right <laughs> what's the <laughs> what would a deal look like and man it, it feels surreal at times watching him out there uh, in a Cavs jersey yeah, and he wasn't the first one, like maybe I'm this is like the fan in me just apologizing for a guy, but he wasn't he wasn't the first one out the door. He wasn't the first one to raise his hand and go get me out of here. So I I don't know. I it just feels like everybody won that trade and and everybody carried themselves pretty decently in in a mediocre situation. Yeah, I was digging into some of the advanced stats uh, with the Utah Jazz, and there is some funky stuff going on where opposing teams are shooting abnormally poor against them in the paint. Um, the Jazz are making way more threes than they're probably going to do. So to your point earlier, 
to Craig, there probably is going to be some some regression to the mean here. But until then, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do and yeah, you know, they kind of flip the West on on their heads. So. All right. So what else did you have? I I I keep going back and forth, but I hijacked enough. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I have one other quick item and. This is more this more macro because it happened last year too, and it's just something I'm keeping an eye on. And I like it as a young team, but I do think the Cavaliers are at the point where they're talented enough where I'm going to be keeping more watchful eye on it. Is JB's rotation and minutes per game? So it, it feels like you know the core group of of three or four guys being Mitchell. Garland, Mobley, and Allen, they're on the court a lot. Um, and and we're not getting too far into the rotations at this point. So I went out and looked at minutes per game, and Donovan Mitchell is leading the league in minutes per game. He's at 31 – I'm sorry, he's at 39.1 minutes per game, which is just – That's way too many. Amount. Yeah, that's an insane amount. For a guy who who has you know missed some time uh, early in his career – um, Darius Garland is at a is at a high amount too, but his is factored down a little bit because he only played a couple minutes in the Raptors. But take that game out, he's right up there with Donovan Mitchell. Um, and JB did this quite a bit last year, where I think he wanted to to ride the guys, establish a winning culture. But you know, Craig, I'm looking around and I, I see guys like Howell Neto and uh, you know Robin Lopez for the bigs and, and some of the other guys on the team. And you know, I, I think it's it's unwise at this point because the Cavs have that talent. I don't think we need to be playing the guys 38, 39 minutes a, a game. So that's just one thing I'm watching. I'm not, I'm not hitting the panic button, but I think that we're at the point where the Cavs have enough talent. I'm not worried necessarily about the the fourth seed versus the fifth seed. It's it's get the guys to the finish line. And it's, it's a long season. I say all that easier said than done because if I'm the coach, I want to go win a game, but it's just something I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. No, I'm with you. And, and last year – due to injury because of the situation they were in part of the reason and i i i don't remember how much this got talked about it at the time last year but part of the reason that ricky rubio felt like he got hurt was because he was being overutilized at his age and i know that the Cavs were up against it and they just didn't have many options but when i and i, I can't pull up the game log right now because i'm on the wrong site it's not working well but he he was just he was playing so many minutes in those those three or four games because the Cavs were up against it on on injuries and then he turns out to get hurt and he's a guy that they could have absolutely utilized and this year's this year's uh Ricky Rubio could be Kevin Love if we're not careful it could be Karis LeVert you know Karis LeVert is another guy who I think has really stepped up from last year feels a lot he looks like he feels a lot more comfortable in his role compared to what he did last year and I was nervous, uh, and I said this a couple of times, uh, probably just in Discord, but Levert always felt to me like he had some of that ball hog energy, and I couldn't have been more wrong. Like he really does like to 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 pound the ball, but then he drives, and he, half the time he's finding teammates who are open. He's not just forcing shots, kind of the way. Uh, who's who's the guy who is in Utah playing with? who used to play for the Cavaliers. He's oh, uh, Clarkson. Yeah. Clarkson yeah. was a little bit more force my shot guy. And Lavert looked to me like, uh-oh, this could be another Clarkson situation, but couldn't be further from the truth. He he plays, he wants to play that team style. Um, and But at the same time, I, I just, 
I'm with you. They they need to focus on this being a long season. They need to use their bench uh, when Dean Wade's healthy. Lamar Stevens can play. Jetty can play. I don't understand quite what's going on, and maybe you can speak to this, but Okoro seems to be so hot and cold, whether he's playing a little bit or not at all. Yeah, it's been fascinating. We we heard shame on me for buying into it a little bit. We heard so much good things from the Cavs organization this offseason in terms of the work that Isaac Okoro's put in. And, um, you know, it, it's tough to watch a third year guy who was the number five overall pick. His prototype is exactly what a Cavaliers team that's built like this needs. They need a guy who is a PJ Tucker like player who's going to guard the best opposing player and shoot corner threes is exactly what they need of him. And it, it's been tough offensively. I think last night was probably his best game of the season. He had eight points. He played pretty good defense and he was part of the crew that JB let ride, you know, really all throughout the fourth quarter to come back. Um, it's been really interesting. And I think. JB has been very quick um, with putting guys in who he thinks is going to win that game. Another example of that is Jetty Osmond. Um, he played a, a ton the first three, four games, and he, he's really been MIA the, the past couple. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's tough right now because your guy, Dean Wade, is is really challenging Isaac Okoro for those minutes. And frankly, Dean's just a better player as of, you know, so far this season. Yeah, he's playing pretty well. But to, to our point about Okoro – it's like, I, you know, his minutes are 12, 27, 20, 11, 5, 22, 8, 23, 6, 18, 6, 19. And then the injury game, uh, he played 29. But it's like, how much consistency can a guy get when he's up and down and up and down and in and out? And he might have some DNPs that aren't even listed here. I'm not sure. Has he played in every single game? I think he's given some minutes in every single game. Okay. Yeah. And another guy who like you just an mentioned. overtime game against Boston, he gets five minutes. Really? <laughs> in the, the type of, of wing players that Boston have, you, you'd consider that to be an Isaac Okoro game, at least for some kind of stretch. So, you know, Unless, another uh, guy, Dean Wade just gives them more length, I guess, to your point. Yeah. Another guy who played really well last night was Lamar Stevens. He's, he's absolutely another guy who, who could compete for, for some big time there. So that was one thing that Evan Damerel and I talked about early on was, you know, four of the five starting ro uh, roster spots are, are locked in. The, the fifth one's interesting. And maybe it's, maybe it's good that way. Maybe the, the cream is going to rise to the top or maybe JB is going to go with a hot hand all season. And hopefully that doesn't uh, junk up reps that are needed uh, alongside those other four. And that's one thing that's going to be really intriguing this year is does it, does that fifth guy um, lock themselves in or is it just going to be, Hey JB, you're, you're throwing in whoever the hot hand is. Well, but the, the thing that people need to realize that we're saying with this conversation is Lamar Stevens is just a guy. Like if he touches the court in a non blowout in the playoffs, you're in deep trouble. Like, that's not what you want. That's not what the Cavaliers want. But across 82 games, you need your 10th, 11th, and 12th guys to play minutes because otherwise you do end up wearing out Donovan Mitchell when it matters least. Yeah, 100%. In November is not the time to be throwing guys out there 40 minutes a game for that one extra win. So, yeah, it's yeah. – um, you know, that, that's one thing that that's going to be intriguing to watch. Um, if, if I look at what's coming up next for the Cavaliers, so it, daunting West Coast road trip, 
right? Where where they lost uh, four games in a row. They lost three games on the back end of it. Lost at home last night to the Timberwolves. Coming up on this on the schedule, Craig, they host the Milwaukee Bucks on Wednesday. It looks like Giannis is going to be back for that game. Um, and then they they have a home stand. Uh, they play Charlotte on Friday and Miami on Sunday. What are your thoughts on that Wednesday Milwaukee game with a healthy Giannis? Chris Middleton will likely still be out. Just like those two Boston Celtics games, you think that's another good measuring stick for this team? Are you going to be glued in, locked in on Wednesday? It's the ultimate cop-out. If they win, it's a measuring stick. If they lose, it's no big (laughs) deal. It's just a regular season game. I'm such a fan when it comes to this stuff that I just, I, uh, yeah, I pick and choose and I, uh, the narrative just depends on how uh, it works out best for the Cavaliers. I'm so in on this team. I'm so in love with it. I, as a fan, it's as much fun as I've had with the Cavaliers team, um, maybe in my life so far. So I, I just, uh, yeah, I'm just totally in the tank. I love it. It's so homegrown. It just feels so natural watching the young kids play. It's oh, it's it's been it's been a heck of a time. And yeah, Craig, thank you for for jumping on. Before we wrap, did you have any any other thoughts, nuggets you wanted to hit on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, so for any of the people who are here for the basketball talk, you can you can kind of tune out now. Um, I have a couple questions for you, Seth. So this is the first time we've been on a podcast together. I've been talking to you in the Discord, and we've gotten to know each other a little bit there. But like, what's what's the sports resume? Where'd you come up? How'd you how'd you become a Cavs fan? How'd you want to talk about the Cavs? Are they your first and only Cleveland team? Are you as passionate about the rest? Give me the fan resume. Yeah, absolutely. Grew grew up pretty typical baseball, basketball, football player. Unfortunately, like you know, physically, body wise, I was definitely more in the football elk, but the love was always basketball. So I was the, I was like that dumb, like five eleven kid on the basketball court who played like way too aggressively and just bowled into people. And that, that's hard. always been, yeah, that's right. Can't shoot. We'll set hella screens. Going to rebound the basketball. Yeah. Just, just the guy you don't want to play. I was the uh, king of the box out running i i was i always had a spot in like seventh and eighth grade because i i knew how to run the motion offense i was always in the right spot but when it when it came to uh who was the most talented player later on that's when i fell out of the rotation (laughs) i love it what position do you play craig were you were you a guard so i i was tall at first so i learned the four i played power forward and then i stopped growing at 510 um and so by the time i hit ninth grade i was all of a sudden guard and i didn't have any of the ball handling skills how about you <laughs> yep, exact same i was an early grower so yeah i was i was playing in the paint and then had to shift over to like a clunky kind of chubby shooting guard so that was that was problematic but yeah it's it, it's always been the uh it's always been the Cavs. I'm a, I'm a browns um ticket holder they're who they they give me the most volatility they give me the most highs and lows but in terms of watching it just uh, basketball, NBA form specifically, it's just beautiful poetry. And, and I've been, yeah, been a Cavs fan for really, you know, you said Sasha Parker. Um, I was thinking of guys like Jamario Moon and e- even like the crew before that, even the Bob Sura days. And man, I, yeah, I've been a Cavs fan for a long time. And so what are um, your formative Browns years? Great question. Um, unfortunately, the the team that I was most connected to, I would say, was probably that 2007 team with Derek Anderson, Braylon Edwards, um, 
Kellen Winslow. That was a, that was a fun season, though. You got to oh. admit. Truly awesome. I mean, high high powered offense, dynamic, and ten. And, I think one of the rare times ten and six didn't make the playoffs, which which was really disappointing. Um, but it, it was it was tough, honestly. I you know my dad was a football coach, so he he definitely kind of got me into it. But as as I was a like a young, I don't know, even like a young teenager, it was hard to cling on to just crap. And I didn't develop really the the hardcore kind of Browns fandom until my you know my mid to late twenties and have been a, a ticket holder for a while. But it was hard to get connected to the team. And then over the other shoulder, you've got you know LeBron James and one of the most exciting teams in the NBA to latch onto. And, and I was hooked. So which part of the city did you grow up in? Did you grow up in Northeast Ohio? I did Canton, just an hour south, and and now we're my wife and I are over in Fair Park, so we're we're about fifteen minutes right from downtown. So. Nice. Did you go away for school? I did uh, Kent State, so I've always okay. kind of been in that that Northeast Ohio area. Yeah. So I don't it was really. Were you Ohio State, Craig? Sorry. No, I was Boston University, and so Boston, it was really yeah. hard. And and uh, you know, honestly, I um, it was really hard to uh to be out of the tv market for the browns and the Cavs, uh especially the Cavs. like you just unless they were playing the celtics i just never got to watch them and so i i fell in love again um in my 18 and 19 year old years with joe tate and the the radio broadcast um i had i had kind of stopped listening to basketball on the radio when i lived in cleveland and then I moved out of market. And honestly, I'm old enough that audio streaming on the internet was kind of a new thing. And so I was be able to listen to the Cavaliers on, uh, on, on audio over the internet. And uh, I became a basketball fan. Um, those were some awful teams to even listen to, though, you know, hoping for Ogowskis every year. And um, it just this is the year that his foot is going to be healthy and he's going to play a full season. And uh so th those were some rough times, but you know, those are what, those are what kind of cement us as fans, those rough years. Yeah. And, and for those just listening, I'm, I'm holding up a Joe Tate, Terry Pluto, Joe Tate book, I had a chance to to meet Joe Tate. And he was like all everyone says, he's just the nicest guy. He, he was unbelievable. Uh, talk and to Terry Pluto too. <laughs> That's right. Talked to us for 10 minutes while we got his autograph. And he's such an interesting guy. I've, I've read, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a zoom into his life calling the Mount Union football games and he's just he's just an all-time guy and, uh, yeah. but yeah the, the the one thing that I have a, a bit of a connection with um, with the Cavs is is my mom she, for for whatever reason she was never like a basketball fan growing up I think when she, maybe she was front running a little bit but when LeBron uh, was drafted in like 03 she was like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna start getting into the Cavs and so her and I would you know, if I'd come down from college or whatever on the weekend, her and I would like zone in and, and watch some Cavalier basketball. So anytime from there, I'd love taking her to games. And, and it was kind of a cool thing to share with, with Andre. Well, yeah. And the, and the, the last thing is that, you know, you can, I know you're a Browns ticket holder and I'm sure you've been to Indian slash guardians games over the years, but um, there's just something about the, the atmosphere and the way that they've uh, built up the the basketball experience here in Cleveland. It's got a lot of character, a lot of personality. And, uh, uh, and for what, you know, it still feels like uh, Dan Gilbert hasn't been around that long, but he's been around a long time. Now that you turn around, all of a sudden it's been a long time. It feels like there's a lot of tradition and it's hard for old guys like me to maybe recognize the tradition, but for, for guys your age to guys who really came up 
the first time you, who don't really remember Richfield, it's got to feel like a lot of rich tradition um, in Cleveland, even if they keep changing the name of the field house. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I ended up taking my, my nephew to his first game, I'd say four or five years ago. And ever since we've been, it's an annual Christmas gift from, from me to him. He, he's obsessed with it. Everything from, you know, Ahmad's voice to the fire coming out in the introduction. It's just such a special, such a special event that they put on 41 times a year. It's amazing. They've been able to keep Ahmad around and, and keep, you know, all that stuff. I don't know if it's the same moon dog. Maybe there's another moon dog in there, but <laughs> like it, it just, you know, all that, the, just keeping Ahmad there, um, having him be the consistent voice for how, I don't even know how long it's been, but it feels like forever. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. In there's no need to like pair the the other teams, but if you think about your your thoughts and memories of going to a Cavs game versus a Guardian or Indians versus a Browns, it's just I, I'd have a hard time, you know, not putting the Cavs way above in tier one above those other two. It's just it's unique. It's special. It's so much fun. All right. Last thing, where where are your Brown seats? Which part of the stadium do you sit in? Opposite Dog Pound, unfortunately, lower bowl. Um, the good thing is we're under an, an overhang. So rain, snow, November to games, we're locked in. But uh, I, I don't know, Craig. I might be looking at Ticketmaster for the last few weeks of the season, man. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> yeah? You're going to sell them off? You're not gonna, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't waste the amount of – well, I mean, I've got kids too, so I've got other things to keep in mind. But I wouldn't spend the number of hours it takes to go to a live football game the rest of the season. No way. No indoor you know cut it clean three four hours and, and that's about it i think um you know next year is a big year for me personally as a season ticket holder I'm gonna see how things go but you know i i do something where i'll kind of lay out the schedule and then i have a lot of friends who have since moved on to california new york texas whatever and they'll actually i'll ask them hey do you want to come in for a game is there something else going on so i have a nice tight calendar of of old buddies coming in and it's a commitment you know not just financially time-wise and you're exactly right it's it's trying when when they're struggling well and honestly i spent the, i spent the first part the first uh half of this season the the half of this brown season coaching travel soccer and missing the majority of the games and if the game was good i'm not one of those guys who goes dark mode and i i know what's happening and so if the game's a disaster i don't even go back and watch all the time so um it's the most browns football i've missed in 20 years it's a hell of a year for it i don't I think know. you're you're regretting that one bit you know no <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's enough out of me. I'll let you close up shop. Yeah. Yeah. Craig, thank you for joining me. It was a pleasure to get the chat with you uh, live here. Uh, we're going to be having another edition come out on Thursday. I'm not going to announce the guest. I think folks will be pretty pumped up with who we have for Thursday. So more to come there. Thank it you. It could all be for Terry Pluto. You should tune in. You never know. <laughs> could be Mr. Pluto. We'll see what happens. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Like I said, we're going to come back Thursday or keep doing this weekly. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of the night. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. 